Listen to this, Greg. There's a point in the conversation where he says, I know he was mad at us because he didn't offer me any Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Okay. Granted, I don't have any personal experience with this, so maybe it's just me, but if you're sitting in a Colombian jail cell with a drug lord who's super pissed at you, I don't know if guilting him into sharing his Chips Ahoy cookies is going to get you back on his good side. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. This is Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where the accountant goes to jail instead of into witness protection. I'm Caleb Newquist. And I'm Greg Kite. Time for another listener review, Greg. Uh, Only if I can pour myself a bourbon and only if it's uh, not a one-star review. I need uh, need a little more positivity right now. I think I have the I have the perfect review. Nice. Yeah. So here goes. On the Earmark app, Andrew C. gave us five stars and writes, quote, I wish Greg and Caleb would learn the difference between a forward slash and backslash. Otherwise, this is a consistently great podcast. Okay. Now that pisses me off. <laughs> uh, so listen up, Andrew. God damn it. Uh, sure. We, I, I, I admit... We must have been saying it wrong this whole time. Otherwise, you wouldn't have said that. But nobody cares. <laughs> everybody everybody knows what kind of slash we're talking about. We're talking about the one that's under the question mark, not the one that you have to go looking for. There's only – I mean, we only use one slash. Okay. Is the for, is, when you, is the, part, of this, part of both of those slashes is forward. Is it the top that's forward or the bottom that's forward? I don't fucking know. It's a slash. Let me just be the first to offer our sincerest apologies to the backslash community and to the forward slash community. I don't know. Maybe it's just the slash community or is it the solidus? I don't know. Is that a term we can use? I don't know what's the right terms these days. Whatever your preferred nomenclature, I think is what I'm trying to say is that we are sorry. And when we, we, we are, we're, we're just trying to please everybody. Okay. I just want to no. No, oh. not okay. No, uh, oh. I, I listen. I'm. I will learn where Corsicana, Texas, is in relation to Dallas before I figure out which kind of slash is the forward one or which kind of slash is the back one. However, Andrew, thank you for the five stars. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was five star. Um, now, uh, and, th- little... and thank you for listening to our podcast. Yeah, and thanks for listening. And now, for a moment of shameless self promotion, we do live fraud and ethics presentations. If you want a fun, informative, and engaging keynote address on fraud and ethics, we can do that. Uh, and uh, just FYI, we don't give live presentations on the nuanced differences between forward slashes and backslashes, just fraud and ethics, Andrew. So if anyone besides Andrew wants more information, uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to give you more information. Send us an email at ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe.com. Is it time to move on? I think it's time I, to move on. I think I think that's what time it is right now. Right. It's move on time. Okay, so here's a question, Greg. What's your idea of adventure? Jumping out of planes, swimming with sharks, Russian roulette? You know, what gets your juices flowing? Uh, well, Russian roulette would definitely get my juices flowing, but uh, it's not like it's not a bucket list thing or anything <laughs> like that. I I tell you, Caleb, I'm actually not very into adventure 
in the in this phase of life right now um maybe i'm too which old phase is, which phase is that it's, if it's i may the, ask it's the both my shoulders hurt and my hip also hurts phase okay got it uh which indicates that possibly i'm just too old for adventure shit uh or maybe i'm just on a lower level of maslow's hierarchy of needs maybe i hmm. maybe maybe adventures more on a on a self-actualization kind of thing and i'm just down here going hey can i maintain some basic mental health so maybe that's maybe that's a problem for me in adventure or or alternately maybe the rush that i get every time i get on stage to perform stand-up comedy sufficiently scratches the adventure itch in my soul yeah yeah that's fair i mean i, I always definitely get a jolt when i before i don't get on stage regularly but when i do that's always like mm. you know your body is telling you that you're going to do something yeah um, it's a it's a risk there's a there's yeah. a, there there is failure failure is looming over your shoulder whenever yeah. you get on stage for anything so yeah and that's that's a that's a little adventurous for sure yeah so yeah. so danger is not your middle name though correct yeah no middle name's michael um uh, <laughs> and uh but but it's not that i haven't been adventurous sure and this is so dumb because most people just think this is the lamest but Try. Let, let, let's hear it. Okay. The, uh, so back in college, uh, this was back in my years of being an arguably overly zealous evangelical Christian. Oh, I, yeah. uh, so I was, I was 19 years old and I transferred from the university of Washington to Brigham young university to convert all the Mormons to the real Jesus. Right. Uh, I remember and hearing about this. That was a huge that was a huge adventure. I knew exactly one person at BYU and not to give too much away but she was trying to convert me from evangelical Christianity to the real Jesus. Uh wow. but I'll tell you that was a hell of an adventure. I was I was uh the yeah. sex must have been good though. Oh. The yeah, well, you mean the repressed sexuality that we <laughs> right. we couldn't yeah. let out of the right. box? That was That's yeah. Right. Right, yeah, you, that was that was, you had to <laughs> you had to double, double duct tape that shoe box uh but uh but yeah that but but that was a hell of an adventure um yeah you know a lot of people thought i was crazy and and arguably now looking back i was too but also uh i i can't I, it's hard for, you'd be i would be hard pressed to find another time in my life when i felt more engaged and felt like i had a more concrete laser focused purpose in my life and that is huge um, and then also, you know, the last 21 years doing stand-up comedy have been an mm -hmm. adventure, uh, just like I was saying before. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes, you know, looking at both of those things, when I decided to, to go for it with stand-up comedy or when I decided to make that, that big, the move from Washington to Utah to do, to try to change the world. I, sometimes I do long for the next uh, thing like that, you know, what's the next big move, the next adventure, but you can't you can't go off half cocked. That I feel like that sort of stuff finds you more than you find it. And I haven't found the next one yet, but I am always looking. All right. Well, for this episode, we're focusing on a colorful guy who wound up on, in his words, the wildest adventure in the universe. If you lived in Central Texas, that is in and around Austin or San Antonio in the last 25 years or so and found yourself on the wrong side of the law with a charge of driving while intoxicated or marijuana possession, you probably hired or at the very least considered hiring James 
Morris Belasia, aka Jamie, aka the DWI dude, aka the 420 dude, aka the dude to get you out of trouble. I don't like any of those nicknames at all. I don't like any of them either. But, you know, but good for him. We'll get into it. Let's let's get into it, okay? Yeah. Now, for example, I do not know when he started referring himself to referring to himself as the dude. He says he came up with the nickname because a friend always called him dude, which is so dumb because all kinds of people call, call each other dude. Absolutely. And they don't end up with a nickname dude. Right. I I remember uh, him saying that part of it too was that no one knew how to spell if you just heard his name Belasia nobody yes. knew how to spell it they couldn't google it yes. yeah 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 exactly so he needed something and yeah. okay fine but i have to i i have to confess he does resemble the dude as in jeff bridges character the dude from the coen brothers movie the big lebowski if the movie was based in texas instead of los angeles yeah right I agree. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I see it just from having read the case and seen some stuff. Yeah, I, I'm I'm there with you. Yeah, long beard, long hair. He wore bolo ties instead of a bathrobe. But, right. you know, but yeah, and and you see him and <laughs> you kind of want to go, who's this dude? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of the first thing that pops into your head. But anyway, Belasia was a local. He was born and raised in Austin. He attended Southwest Texas State University. He got a degree in criminal justice. And he joined the Austin Police Department in 1979. Nice. Yeah. Now, he eventually joined that department's vice unit. But vices being vices, he got turned in for using cocaine and marijuana after someone saw his BMW at a drug dealer's house in Houston. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe the vice unit was the wrong choice. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And maybe, maybe a, maybe a detective a police detective driving a bmw that's maybe suspicious yeah yeah it's it's very conspicuous right right nothing else right anyway he got clean belasia got clean and then but he did get demoted on the police force he was working it he was he's working an impound lot which is weird i would think if you did cocaine and marijuana you just wouldn't have a job yeah you wouldn't be a force anymore you wouldn't be a cop anymore it's my knee jerk but i guess in austin they're very they're very forgiven texas is a strange place as we it is it's the the bible belt they're all about forgiveness and second chances is that what they're about uh nope no i think i i think they're about guns and and controlling (laughs) women's bodies but i don't know anyway he was working an impound lot and he didn't want to do that forever. So he opted for law school and he went to uh, the law school at uh, University of Texas, Austin. And in 1993, Belasia was featured in an article in the Austin American Statesman. And that article, that, you know, that little, you know, bit of marketing brought in a lot of new clients. And he soon decided that he wanted to specifically focus on people charged with DWI and marijuana possession. Right. And I think part of that story was because he was actually repulsed by violent criminals. Yes. So he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do, I'm going to deal with just, uh, people who, you know, they, they sure they commit manslaughter, but it's like, it's unintentional. So, (laughs) right. Right. 
Violent, but not like you're not you're not trying to be violent. Right. Not premeditation. Not 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 just an asshole violent. Right. You're just well, you're still an asshole. Wrong place, okay. wrong time. Okay. Wrong, Is, wrong, ta- wrong place, wrong time kind of violence. Right. right. Blasia had a kitschy approach to marketing. He had company vehicles with his face, name, number, and marijuana plants plastered all over it. <laughs> there are pictures in the show notes. Check them out. It's good. The pictures aren't in the show notes. There are links to articles that have pictures of the car. And they're as bad as you would expect. He had TV TV and radio ads running constantly. He created a YouTube channel with tips instructing people to decline breathalyzers and blood alcohol tests. He would go to bars and let people blow into his own breathalyzer machine and then get them to put his number into their phones. <laughs> right. he, he would hand right. out... Kind of like, kind of like you're gonna need this later. Yeah, tonight, right. Likely yeah. in two hours. Call me because you're gonna. Right. Yeah. Um, and he also would hand out a multitude of DWI dude tchotchkes, including t-shirts, lighters, rolling papers, koozies, poker chips. And now you know you're you're probably hearing all this and you're thinking, oh, okay, he was basically Saul Goodman before Jimmy McGill was Saul Goodman, and you would be right. Yeah, I mean, people eat this stuff up. Right. Yeah. Like you listen, you know, you read the art, you know, read the stuff we have in the show notes or listen to the podcast in the show notes and like people just eat this stuff up and and as hate as as much as we probably hate to admit it, kitschy marketing fucking works, man. It just works. And Jamie Belage's kitschy marketing was a big reason why his law practice started to take off. By the mid to late 2000s, Belasia was a local celebrity and well-connected within the local criminal justice system. He knew cops, he knew judges, he knew prosecutors, and he knew scores of other lawyers, of course. Uh, he had one office in Austin, that was his original office, and then he opened a second office in, Sta- in San Antonio. Uh, in total, he had about 20 employees, and he claimed that his firm was uh, pulling in about $3 million bucks of revenue every year. And... It will come as no surprise that Belasia was very much digging his pseudo celebrity status and uh, the success that he was finding with professionally. Yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, you're the DWI dude, right? Everybody, everybody knows you. Yeah, and the the guy the guy was super gregarious. Clearly, like mm-hmm. some of the accounts I read said that he he liked uh, he liked it when people noticed him. Like, like recognized him out yeah. in the wild, like if he was at the store or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You see the DWI dude in the, in the protocile at, uh, at the, at the Winn-Dixie. They have Winn-Dixies <laughs> in Texas? They do now. <laughs> they certainly do. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, he probably, I, I, you can't blame him. Because right. Then he probably is like, you want to be, uh, you, are you my next client? <laughs> right, right. Well, and it said that people would love taking uh, selfies of themselves with yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his weird uh, weed Winnebago and that even even people would like, they'd, they'd like take selfies of him while they were smoking weed illegally in Texas. So, <laughs> uh, so. Wonderful. Exactly. So, so. And so, so yeah, he, that kind he of. He knew in, his people. That, yeah. That endeared folks to him, didn't it? Of course, absolutely, and it helped that he was pretty good, pretty damn good at his job. Uh, yeah. He told he told Texas Monthly, "quote I was getting not guilty verdicts in cases where everybody said there's no way you can win this case." 
So Belasia was taken on 40 to 60 new cases every month. Most Oof. of them were misdemeanor cases that earned him about 6000 bucks each. Uh, he genuinely wanted to help people who were in trouble. He was a, he was a giver. So he wanted to help people uh, like his peers in the legal community. He wanted to help folks at his church. Uh, although I, d I do have to wonder how his fellow uh, churchgoers felt about him rolling up on a Sunday morning <laughs> in his DWI dude weed plastered Winnebago. I don't think that would have gone well at my church yeah. back when I was going. Kind of an odd. That would that would kind of look weird in a church parking lot. I suppose. Right. Even a Catholic church. You go to a Catholic church. If, yeah, I mean, it would, it would look sometimes. weird anywhere. I guess especially yeah, in a church, no yeah. matter what the church was. There is, I have to say, there is a there is a church of marijuana here in the Denver oh. metro area. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be he honest, would, so he'd fit right in there with his with his sure. uh, mode of transportation. Sure. Yeah, so, matter of fact, that's where he should go to just network. Yeah. So it was this success that he was finding that we've been describing that led people like Anthony Felsing to become one of Belasia's clients. Uh, so here's a little about Felsing. He's struggled with alcoholism and he had been charged with his third DUI. And that's when he reached out to Belasia, the DWI dude, facing a long prison sentence. I think he was facing 12 years Mm. Uh, Felsing was very worried, but Blasia reassured him that his connections and legal tactics would make it so that Felsing would be just fine. Uh, which, which also, I don't know how you read that, Caleb, but to me that yep. sounded a little suspect. Yeah, there was something about that particular account, the Felsing account, that you know he was he was in he was in heaps of trouble. And, you know, Belasia was promising that it was, he was, he was like, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And I don't know, sometimes when people are telling you to don't worry, telling you don't worry, sometimes that's when you need to be worrying. I right. Think. Well, the, the thing that seemed weird to me is it, it, again, from reading the accounts of him with Felsing particularly, mm -hmm. yeah. it, it, it sounded like Belasia was saying, I've got these judges in my back pocket. I can yes. get them to rule the way I want them to rule. Yeah. Which, is, yeah, which that's what that's what you know. That's that's all the red flags for me. For sure, and that is, I think, at the very least, giving your. I guess if you're a lawyer and you're giving your client the impression that you have that you have some kind of like magic isn't the right word, but like. You, I, I, as a layperson, I suppose you're just like, well, yeah, if he's got a good relationship with the judge, then this is the guy I want. Right. Not really, right. not until, <clears throat> and we'll get into this later, but not really fully understanding that you shouldn't be giving anyone the impression that there might be something untoward going on, right? Right. Well, and I, I know there's ethical requirements of CPAs that we can't we can't market ourselves as going hey we know how to we we we've got an inside with the IRS we like right. that's that that's just we can, you can lose your license right. for making, the IRS for making will, claims like that cuz the IRS will 
will come out and say, uh, no, you don't. Right. Whenever I hear an ad like that where it's like, are you in deep trouble with the IRS? Well, we can get you out. I go, well, these guys clearly aren't CPAs because right. they would get busted immediately. Right, right. Yeah. So so all this is happening as as the 2000s were coming to a close. Uh, Belasia did start to have some concerns about, about uh, his business going into the future because at that time Texas uh, was considering what's called a no refusal law that had actually already been adopted in other states and these no refusal laws uh, were were what what they did is they made it so that you couldn't refuse a breathalyzer or a blood alcohol test uh, which if you can't do that that's going to undermine one of Belagia's primary strategies to winning cases because, like we said before, he would tell people just don't take the breathalyzer test uh, when you get pulled over. And as Belagia told Katie Vine of Texas Monthly, quote, we were looking at the end of our golden goose. <laughs> Hey folks, Caleb Newquist here, co-host of Oh My Fraud. 2023 is coming to a close fast. And if you're an advertiser or marketer who wants to capitalize on the thousands of accountants who will be listening to this podcast to get their continuing professional education credits, why not advertise on Oh My Fraud? Use our self-service ad platform to browse our remaining inventory and book the slots that fit your marketing budget. From there, it will only be a matter of time before you hear us telling our listeners your company's story. Head over to ohmyfraud.com slash sponsor to get your campaign started. That's ohmyfraud.com slash sponsor. Through a mutual friend who Belasia had helped when he was down on his luck, he met Chuck Morgan, a private investigator who had a history of working undercover for the Drug Enforcement Agency, also known as the DEA. Morgan regaled Belasia with stories of his work, most of which took place in Colombia, Colombia, and in close proximity to some of the world's most notorious narco traffickers, including Pablo Escobar. So yeah, and and those dang, stories danger zone. Yeah, but those stories also sound like bullshit to me. Yeah, some of them I, did. I yeah I I yeah they they were again at best highly suspect. Yeah, I mean, there were some accounts, though, that said that, you know, there were pictures of Morgan with these guys and with Colombian, you know, government officials and things like that. So there was um, it, it was it was probably kind of difficult to separate the truth from fiction. Right. Yeah. And even Belasia said even Belasia said that he wasn't sure what to make of all of these stories. Right. Um, but he he did like the stories, you know, yeah. he, like, he was kind of enthralled with this guy, Morgan, for sure. And it clearly I mean, some of it had to be at least near the truth, because clearly, as we'll get into, Morgan did have some connections with some pretty seedy groups. Yeah. Example. He had an opportunity for the DWI dude that could make for a big score, an extradition case for narcos that would be charged with crimes in the United States. So now, right away, that raises a question for me, Greg. Uh-huh. Did Jamie Belasia, AKA the DWI dude, have any experience with extradition cases? <laughs> cases? <laughs> cases? 
um, um, United States of America. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> right away, this raises a question. Did he, Jamie Belasia, the DWI dude, have any experience taking on incredibly rich, incredibly dangerous Colombian drug lords as clients? Did he have any idea whatsoever what he was getting himself into? No. No, he did not. Despite Belasia having precisely zero experience with high-level extradition cases, Morgan's plan seems straightforward enough. Uh, he would set up alleged drug traffickers with Belasia as their U.S. attorney. Morgan would then obtain information on those drug traffickers' co-conspirators and offer those co-conspirators to the DEA to get a reduced sentence for the drug traffickers that Belasia represented. And if the feds ended up indicting the co-conspirators, then Morgan would set them up with Belasia as their lawyer and so on and so forth with a apparently never-ending line of cases, which seems like the dumbest idea Kinda in the risky. world. A oh, little, my God. A little risky. Yeah. Their business model was to literally narc out drug lords and then when they got in trouble, go to them. It's like, I, I'm the one who put you on the, the, the U.S. DEA's radar. And now, but do you need some representation? Because I can do that for you, too. Yeah. Just like I did with your friend. It always struck me, like reading through these stories, it always struck me as incredibly strange that... You know, you, you get hooked up with somebody and you're like, you're managing. So if you're you're working to extradite this person to the U.S., they'd be like, hey, look, if you give them some names, it's going to go a little bit better. Right. Okay? And right. they'd be like, okay, see, see, see. And uh, they would give them the names. And then Morgan would get the names and be like, hey, do you need an extradition attorney? <laughs> because right. I know a guy. Right. And they're like, see, see. And yeah. be like. Right. Eventually, eventually, the word gonna get out. You would think the, so. I don't know. The, this whole thing is bonkers to me. Yeah. Who who signs up to be? I mean, why? I don't know. Why would this? Why would this knucklehead from Texas be like? You know what? I really want to do. I really want to die by representing <laughs> some Colombian drug lords. It's the well, weirdest thing. But well, like we said at the top of the show. The dude wanted some adventure. Yeah. And I think the next the next part of the story that you are going to tell us about, Greg, may also factor in to his reasoning. Right, right. Well, I don't know if the part you're talking about is that Belasia uh, himself uh, told Texas Monthly that the high-end clients for these extradition cases were paying uh, $2 million for their plea deals. <sighs> so... There's a pretty good payout, even though he was doing pretty good at his, uh, you know, as the DWI dude and the 420 dude, two million bucks a case. That's a uh, that's a pretty big carrot with the opportunity for a big score. Belasia traveled to Columbia with Morgan 
and Morgan's wife, Adriana, and the mutual friend who introduced Morgan to Belasia. That guy's name was Jack Pytel. There was one meeting with a potential client, but since Belasia didn't speak Spanish, he wasn't even sure how well the meeting went. It great. basically turned out <laughs> just, yeah. just great. Right. Well, I'm going to, I mean, again, and maybe it's just because I'm too much of a wuss to ride a motorcycle, but I'm thinking <laughs> every time you meet with a Colombian drug lord and don't leave the meeting dead, it went well. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, yeah. That's, that's my, it's a very low bar, but I'm going to say that was a great meeting because he, he got to go home. Uh, but so so this because that meeting didn't uh, amount to anything. The whole trip to Colombia basically turned out to be a narco tourism vacation uh, in Medellin, Colombia. <laughs> but uh, even though no work came out of the trip, Morgan assured Belasia that if a Texas client ever came his way, that he would be given Belasia a call. Fast forward to 2014, and Belasia is running for Texas Attorney General as a libertarian. Yes, the DWI dude ran to be the chief law enforcement officer of the Lone Star State. A San Antonio Express news article described Belasia as, quote, a cross between a ZZ Top roadie and a contestant in a late period Howard Hughes lookalike contest. Now, Which is if you don't accurate. know what that is, if you don't know what that looks like, do yourself a favor, pause the podcast, Google that. Yeah, exactly. And then come back to the podcast. Yeah, okay. Google, this is what I did. I Googled old, old Howard Hughes. Yeah. And then, and then find the weirdest picture and you go, that's exactly Jamie Belasia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that same uh, Express News article noted that Belasia's candidacy didn't make a ton of sense. Here's an excerpt from that one. One of his campaign catchphrases is, Potheads for potholes, based on his notion that revenue generated from marijuana legalization could go to road repairs. But as attorney general, he would have no power to push forward legalization or allocate any revenue that would come from it. <laughs> nice. Politician <laughs> to the core. Yeah. Making so, promises that there's no way he could keep. <laughs> right. So I would just like to point out that Jamie Belasia is not the first, nor will he be the last candidate for office who despite holding a law degree has either a virtually no understanding of how laws get made or B is an unapologetic bullshit artist. <laughs> well, clearly he's got an advanced degree in bullshit artistry. See, see. <laughs> and Oh, also for the record, Greg does have a schoolhouse rock t-shirt with, uh, with the bill on it oh I so do. i'm not i know right i now. know greg knows mm -hmm. how 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 how, 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 a, how a bill, bill becomes, becomes law. a law yeah God damn right i do <laughs> anyway it was during this doomed political campaign belasia would only get two percent of the vote that chuck morgan came calling he had a potential client for belasia herme alirio casanova or donez aka Megatron, a.k.a. Megatronico, <laughs> which I just love. <laughs> yeah, that's um, good. Now, I don't I don't really remember much. Like, I was into Transformers as a kid, but I don't really remember anything from it. 
Uh, but there is something about the nickname Megatron that causes me to think that anyone who is in close proximity to that person should probably be careful. Now, yeah. I, I have, here's the thing. I, I, cause I, I had, I, I got to the same conclusion you got to. Okay. But, but, but this is like having a nickname from a campy 1980s Saturday morning TV show bad guy yeah. seems very not intimidating to me. It's like if somebody came up and said, hey, my name is Hermes Ordonez, but my friends call me Skeletor. I'd be like, I'd be like, you're a, cool. you're a fucking nerd, man. But but then here's what I said. But then if if I was like a Colombian drug lord came up to me and said, hey, my name is Hermes Ordonez, but my friends call me Skeletor, I would be like, okay, that's terrifying because clearly you like have a desperate need for attention and you murder people all the time. So now, now I'm shitting my pants. Yeah. So Megatron needs a lawyer. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> he had recently been indicted and needed a lawyer. And according to Texas monthly, his first choice was a Dallas attorney by the name of Don Bailey, who regularly handled extradition cases but it didn't work out when bailey told megatron that he couldn't make the case go away because you know he couldn't take bribes (laughs) (laughs) or he couldn't or he couldn't pay bribes right he couldn't yeah he couldn't take them or give them right bribes are kind of a they're kind of a sticking point can't do that in general yeah so megatronico he went looking for a new attorney uh, with a little more flexibility. He eventually came to Belasia, who played up his connections in Texas, and soon Morgan and Belasia closed the deal with Megatron to handle this case for a $700,000 fee. Back in 2014, around the time Belasia went to Columbia with Morgan for the first time, he had spoken to a U.S. attorney who had advised him to get a license from the Office of Foreign Assets Control. Why? Because that license would allow Belasia to legally accept money from accused drug dealers uh, because otherwise, you know, you'd be accepting money from accused drug dealers. (laughs) But listen, did he do this? No, he absolutely did not do it. Uh, he says, he, this is what he says. He says, I failed to do due diligence. I stepped in with a half-assed approach. Well, that's putting it incredibly mildly. I, I, you know, that's like saying, hey, I took a job, but I didn't do the thing I had to do in order to get paid for doing the job. It's it, like, <laughs> it's beyond not doing your due diligence. It's not even pulling your head out of your ass. <laughs> So taking <laughs> taking Megatron as a client, uh, eventually because because he 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 broke the barrier, he got his first Colombian drug lord client, which was his goal. And w- as everyone knows, yeah. once you get your first Colombian drug lord client, that's the hardest one. Yes. And a- yes. after that, the just the Colombian drug lord clients just kept coming. So. Morgan and Belasia, they they got another client. His name was Segundo Viota Segura, who agreed to pay uh, uh, Belasia and Morgan $900,000 for their services. 
And what became clear relatively quickly, however, was that these drug lords were absolutely going to be convicted <laughs> and making the charges just go away was not going to be possible. And when Viota was eventually arrested, he was not happy because he had paid top dollar but was still under arrest and he was beginning to wonder if he'd been ripped off. So, Viota demanded a meeting with Morgan and Belasia to find out what the hell was going on because he was suspicious about what the money had been used for. And, like we said, Viota was in jail, so he was pretty sure the bribe money had not been used for bribes. So, he set up a hidden camera in his Colombian prison cell where the meeting was going to take place and in that video, Viota asks Morgan and Belasia directly about what they did with his goddamn money. <laughs> and Morgan, in the video, because it's awesome, this, this video is out there. Yep. In the video, Morgan's kind of talking in code about bribing officials while Belasia is just shutting the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, he is like looking around, yeah. just like you're wondering how wet his pants are <laughs> during this video. Yeah, and and Belasia later told Texas Monthly that that was the first time he'd heard anything about bribes. Bullshit. Uh, and he didn't say anything then because, well, he was in a Colombian prison cell with an accused drug lord, and you know the timing just didn't feel right to him. <laughs> right. So right. yeah, so so at, which also bullshit. But after the meeting, Belasia claims that Morgan assured him that, like, he was going, "Hey, listen, we had to tell Viota uh, that we were going to be paying some bribes on his be behalf because that was the best way for them to get the work, and that's also what the Colombian clients expected and wanted." And so with that, they left Columbia and headed back to Texas. In November 2016, the other Viota brother, Aldemar Viota Segura, wanted to retain Belasia for his services. He was being held in a nearby Texas jail, and so Belasia, along with Morgan and Belasia's paralegal, June Gonzalez, met with Aldemar and another woman who was an accountant, and an interpreter. During the meeting, Aldemar agreed to pay a fee of $1.2 million, noting that it was drug money, which Belasia said he could accept by completing some paperwork. Now, this is notable because it is false. <laughs> and Lies. Yes, yes. And specifically, it is in violation of the Money Laundering Control Act of 1986. And now that that comes out of that Texas Monthly article we keep referencing to, which is a fantastic read. Uh, and, and there's a lot more details in that story. Um, but in any case, what's important is that an Office of Foreign Asset Control license, that's that thing we talked about earlier, remember? Yeah. Yep. That allows an attorney to work with international drug traffickers on a, who are like on a designated list, right? Okay. Okay, but we're on the the official uh, drug 
lord list. Right, right. The, okay. the the king, the drug kingpin list. You've done you've done such a great job as a drug lord. You are now on the designated drug traffickers list with the office of Fort Nassik. Yeah, I feel like it's you know I feel like it's college football rankings. It's kind of yeah. similar. Right there, you go. Yeah. Anyway, what's important is that even if you obtain one of those licenses, the fee that you receive is not supposed to come from the proceeds of drug sales. Right. Which, you know, because everybody knows that a good drug lord has a well-diversified business holdings. Yeah. Where it's like, I'll pay for these out of my window washing business, not my drug right. manufacturing business. Right, right. Anyway, back to the meeting. Aldemar then brings up bribes, but... Then the group gets cagey and they don't commit to anything. So after the meeting, the accountant presses them about it and they want wants to confirm that they they understand what Aldemar wants. And per this accountant, Texas Monthly, Belasia kind of abruptly excused himself from the conversation. That's his that's his version of the account. And while Morgan said, quote, I don't have any problem with one word he said. <laughs> More Belasia's like, I am uncomfortable, and Morgan's like, not me. Bring on the bribe money. <laughs> so they had a deal. Two weeks later, Belasia Morgan and June Gonzalez, that's the paralegal, they cruise to a money pickup for Aldemar in the DWI dude mobile. Very discreet. Super discreet. Uh Morgan goes into a restaurant, which is the arranged location. And he meets the accountant who, in case you haven't figured it out by this point, is an undercover agent. Perfect. Yeah. And as soon as Morgan takes the payment, he's arrested and taken off for questioning. <laughs> Meanwhile, our pal Jamie back in the car, you know, waiting. And I'm going to, I'm going to quote from this Texas monthly article because it's, it's so good. A car driving by an FBI agent pulled in front of Belasia. Although the agent's instructions were just to block Belasia's view of the arrest and help make sure the government got its $300,000 back, he misunderstood his assignment. He jumped out of his vehicle and aimed his gun at Belasia. Don't move. Don't move. Hey, man, Belasia replied. I'm not doing nothing. Who are you? The agent asked. Belasia pointed to the image of himself on his car. <laughs> Didn't give him an ID, just pointed to his weed Winnebago. The agent contacted his supervisor, the lead agent, realized his mistake and cut Belasia loose, giving no explanation for his action. <laughs> Which is awesome. Belasia's just, just going, what the fuck just happened? Just a comedy of errors right there. Yeah. Just lovely. So, of course, Belasia's freaking out right now, and he has no idea what has happened to Morgan. Two weeks later, when he's going to visit Megatron, who is in jail in Texas now, Belasia finds out, quote, as soon as Belasia's wife dropped him and Gonzalez off at the Collin County Jail, two men came walking toward them. Are you James Morris Belasia? One officer asked. Belasia said, yeah, that's me. And handed Gonzalez his cell phone and wallet as he was handcuffed. Right. Because they because they did the uh, James Morris Belasia you get over here right this instant. They 
they went full mom energy on him. I want and he and he knew he was busted. I want I want my I want my uh someday if I'm ever apprehended by federal agents, I want them to do the mom voice for sure. Yeah. They should. That video that had been taken of Morgan and Belasia in the Colombian jail cell, it had ended up in the hands of the FBI. The FBI then wanted to corroborate that video by setting up a sting. And that's where Aldemar Viota Segura had come in. He had already been extradited, obviously. He was sitting in that Texas jail. And while he was sitting in that Texas jail, uh, the FBI went to see him and asked him for his cooperation. And because he had watched his brother get ripped off by these guys, he was more than happy to help. After his arrest, things did not get better for Jamie Belasia. He was charged with money laundering, obstruction of justice, wire fraud, and violation of the Kingpin Act. Oh, yeah, the Kingpin Act. That's an act that we all knew existed. Yeah, it's the uh, it's when you're quoting from Kingpin. Oh, from from the from the movie with <laughs> from Woody the Farrelly Brothers movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the about the the one handed bowler. The one handed bowler. That's right. Yeah. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. And in case you're wondering if Morgan and Belasia ever bribed anyone at any point in time during this whole ordeal, which is what they told the world's largest producers of cocaine that they were going to do. Nah, they didn't. (laughs) Zero bribes. No bribes. (laughs) Oh, man. During his trial in October 2019, Belasia's attorneys tried to explain that Morgan was the real mastermind while their client was a hippie and a hillbilly who drove a Scooby-Doo van. (laughs) Morgan Megatron both testified against DWI, dude. But there was other evidence in the case that was very important. Number one, obviously the video taken by Segundo Vallota Segura uh, that had been sent to the FBI. That's what kind of set the whole thing in motion, right? Right, which is is weird because that seemed like Vallota was like getting... He was he was building a case for in case he got double crossed. Where it's like, yeah, if if you're gonna screw me, I got I got this tape and it's going straight to the FBI. Two can play so, at this game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Second, that so the investigation gets kicked off by that video. That investigation eventually led them to issuing subpoenas for Belasia's bank records and looking at the activity. Right? Yep. In one case they saw a long dormant account was starting to be used once again, just around the time that he was starting to take these extradition cases. The deposits were being made at ATMs all over the country, not just in Texas, and they were all less than $10,000, which is the threshold for cash deposits to be reported by banks to the IRS. Got it? I got it. Got it. Okay. And finally, number three, the investigation eventually led them to Anthony Felsing, that down-on-his-luck client of Belasia's that we mentioned earlier in the show. In an interview with CNBC's American Greed, Felsing says he was facing a long prison sentence. We mentioned that, and he had been paying Belasia large sums of money that he understood would help him get his sentence reduced significantly. Yeah, like like money that was going to like campaign contributions yes. to the judges right. who were going to be seeing his case. Right. That Belasia supposedly had close relationships with and would be hearing Felsing's case. You know, 
And so by now it's like, he's insinuating, like we kind of hinted at this earlier, but the insinuation being that this money was going to work in his favor, but they weren't going to legal fees. They weren't going to, you know, Belasia's crafty legal tactics or research or whatever. It was more of a, I don't know. It was that dark money. Yeah, right. There you go. Kind of? Yeah. 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 And if you watch that, if you, if you listen to that interview, that's what Felsing says. He said, he's like, I knew what he was talking about. Right. And so he's, he's, you know, he says later, he's like, I thought I was getting probation. Right. But when he had paid him everything he could, Belasia started changing his tune and he started focusing on these new extradition cases and he got super icy with Felsing and Felsing tells this story about how Belasia met him for lunch and told him blank. He, he, he told him point blank that the, the leniency wasn't happening and he, and he stuck him with the lunch bill, like threw the bill at him. Nice. That's awesome. When yeah. you're, when your attorney says, Hey, let's go to lunch. And then afterwards it's like, Oh, by the way, you're paying for lunch. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to pay for this. Oh, right. I didn't do my job. Oh, and you got, you're paying, yeah. you're paying for my burger. Right. Felsing, he, he testified to all of this in court and the FBI special agent in charge said that it was that testimony that turned the tide. Jamie Belasia was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to more than 15 years in prison in May, 2021. Whew. Okay, Craig, did we learn anything here? Uh, well, here's here's a couple of things. First off, my brain's trying to categorize this story into the types of frauds that we generally talk about. Um, it's yeah. not asset misappropriation. It's not financial statement fraud. Um, it's it is corruption ish. Uh, yep. But I but it's also it, is it corruption or is it just stupidity? I, I guess that that's where I'm <laughs> that's where I, I I I get stuck because because corruption is is giving or receiving of bribes. I mean that's that's obviously one one type of corruption yes. and and clearly bribes is a central thing in this whole story. Except as you mentioned, zero bribes. It was just no the bribes. promises of bribes, yeah. which is so weird. Because what ha- I mean, and uh, th- so these guys. They were like, I don't feel like they intentionally did this, but what they ended up doing was working with the most dangerous people on earth and then uh, and then screwing them out of their money, kind of going, yeah, we're going to pay some bribes for you, but, but instead basically just taking that money for, just, for yeah. themselves, which yeah. again, you don't have to watch more than just one mafia movie to know that you just wrote your own death sentence with that so yeah so yeah it's it's bribes it's bribery it's corruption but it's also not it's just a it's a fun case of 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 people who are really smart in one area being complete imbeciles in another area and also yeah getting incredibly lucky the fact that Belasia ended up getting caught by the FBI or DA or whoever it was that took him down to that Asian fusion restaurant that he, yeah. he went to. I, I feel like that was the luckiest thing that happened to this dude was that he got taken in by them and not by these criminals that he double crossed. So yeah, cr- crazy. There's that one point where one of the FBI say agents is, um, 
is basically puzzling out what you just described, which is, yeah, if you are saying that you're going to bribe a judge or if you're going to bribe a prosecutor or if you're going to bribe an FBI agent, that's a, that's a, that's a corruption issue, yeah. right? You're trying to, you're trying to corrupt, uh, the, the law enforcement opera, uh, apparatus of the, of the United States. That's illegal. That's, you can't, you can't do that. Okay. So that's one thing. But if you're just taking money from these guys under the pretense that that's what you're going right. to do, then that, then that's just, you're just, you're just, that's just fraud. Right. Well, but, but also, but that's <laughs> you know? the other reason my brain breaks is because it's like, okay, so you're, so really, so let's say that was the whole thing. It's like, hey, I got this great way that we can just steal a bunch of money from some, from some, uh, from some criminals, from some, you know, murderers and drug dealers. Right. And then I go, right. That sounds awesome. That sounds, I mean, that sounds like Texas justice to me. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. the TV show I want to watch every week where it's, it's you know the good guys ripping off bad guys out of their yeah out of their bad but that's but I don't think I think that that's maybe how these guys in hindsight they maybe that's how they put their spin on it I didn't see that anywhere but if yeah. I was them that's how I'd be like hey yeah I stole a bunch of money from a bunch of really bad dudes um, that might be how I make myself feel better and maybe how I make other people feel better about me but also not not entirely the case so that's one thing that i was thinking of is, is it's it's very this case is very hard to to put in a silo i guess the other thing it's, it's one of a kind greg yeah definitely the the other thing though like you were saying i think you, you kind of made me think about this is that it it was because like we know that giving bribes is corruption and bribes were definitely being given just the bribes weren't getting to where they were Suppose like it was right. still very the much the intended recipient. Yeah, that right. was a hundred percent what was happening was they were intending to bribe, just their the middleman couldn't couldn't get it done or didn't get it done. Um, so yeah, so I guess so I guess end of the day, clearly a corruption case. The other thing that that I that I think is very interesting with this is um, it, it well because. These guys were stupid. They were they were just dumb. In over their head. Certainly in over their heads. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which is also you're stupid if you don't, you know, that's like that's like somebody who skis down a black diamond with moguls on their first time. It's right. you were stupid. It, it, yeah. You got in over your head, but it's because you were being stupid. And 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 it's not just that they had no experience in extradition cases. But also just the fact that Belasia had no Spanish language skills. That <laughs> yeah. also, I'm just like, what? What are you doing, you idiot? Yeah. But but what the the thing that's in stark contrast to that is that Jamie Belasia clearly was an incredibly skilled lawyer and a very good businessman. Because like we said, he was he he was getting notoriety within the legal profession because there was these cases where everybody was saying there's no way you can get this guy out of his DUI arrest and Jamie Belagia freaking did it and he yep. so he was great at what he did and that's what I see as a theme that I I didn't know this before you know, when we started this podcast but what I've seen over and over again is that the people perpetrating the frauds 
often, not always, but often have these incredibly rare and valuable skill sets. Like, just a few examples, Rita Crundwell from episodes 3 and 20, was an, she was amazing as a comptroller for the city of Dixon, Illinois. Everybody uh -huh. was like, if you need information, if you need to know what, what's up with the money of the city, Rita knows everything. She she was great at what she did. Now, obviously, she also was stealing fifty three million dollars. But her <laughs> doing the job of the comptroller, she yeah. was doing it great. Other right. than that one little thing, um, Nathan Muller from episodes four and twenty eight. We interviewed him, and yep. I and and you and I have we've commiserated about this since the the interview. That it's like this guy was clearly amazing he was a great accountant he was amazing with the people soft software that they used for their accounting he was also he had these skills with foreign currency adjustments that is this you know weird little branch of accounting that uh, the vast vast majority of accounts never even have to come close to right. and that's where he lived his life and that's how he pulled off his fraud is because he was amazing at his job i also think of rudy kerniawan the guy who who uh, counterfeited the wines yep uh from episode 30 and that guy it says he had episode this 43 episode 43 yeah what did i say 30 30 gosh i am so amazing at numbers Rudy Kerniawan, For, former from math episode, teacher, ladies and gentlemen, from episode 30 plus 13, you didn't let me finish. I was given a little math problem for the accountants because they like that. He had an uncanny palate. He had the he had a weird ability to identify because because do you remember that in the story? He could identify yes. the vineyard and the vintage of yes. wines in blind tastings. Bizarre. Um, but th it was that skill that allowed him to be able to uh, to counterfeit wines. Right. The only case that sticks out to me as being pulled off by just a team of dumb shits <laughs> was the group of idiots who stole all of the bourbon from the uh, B Buffalo Trace Distillery, including Pappy Van Winkle. So it was called Pappy Gate. That was episode eight. That's the only. I mean, do, are there any other episodes do you? That you remember just basically being like the Keystone Cops, but the bad guys. No, I I I, I agree with you that in virtually every case that we've done for this show, there, I, I who comes to mind who I was thinking about was like um, Inigo Philbrick, the yeah. uh, the young art dealer. Yeah, really like really good at his job, really yeah. good at what he did. And he made some bad choices mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he's in over his head and like right. he tried to get himself out of it. And um, yeah, th th that's, that's the other example that had come to mind for me, but you, you just, you cited some good ones where, yeah, you fraud is fraud is not for the lazy and it is not for the dumb. Right. And, so, and, <laughs> and you have to and, have some, some sort of skills to either make people impressed or to make people trust yeah. you. Yeah, and, yeah. And those, and, helpful. and helpful one of, of those both. things, right. And yeah, exactly. Both is even best. So it's, it's the, it's your best and brightest people that you really need to be worried about. Like, like legit, you need right. to be worried about your best and brightest people. We've said this before, Greg, we've said this before. When you're hiring your accounting team, <laughs> two things, very disagreeable and yeah, lazy. make sure they just hate each other 
and make sure they're incompetent. If those yeah. two, th- yeah, yeah, those two things, you're never. Nobody's ever. You Perfect. Will not. You will. You will never be taken advantage of. Perfect accounting team, right there. Exactly. I. I. I think the biggest learning for me in this one was. Uh, it was a quote from. Uh, the, the special agent from the FBI who was leading the investigation in the Texas Monthly article, he said, people's whole lives are on their credit cards and their banks and their phone records. You can put that in the timeline and you'll know everything you ever wanted to know about somebody. And I think that's pretty consistent too with a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, a lot of the cases yeah. we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's just all there. You, yep. it, there's no place for it to hide. Like right. they can see, they just, and 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 if you go back to the the, and it ties right into the wire fraud episode that we just did very recently where they that that they have wide latitude in terms of their investigation powers and then prosecution uh, in terms of how to prosecute people they have a lot of flexibility and it's it's just all right there and it's just it's so it's it's so hard to hide it and i don't want to say it's impossible because you, as you've said as we've said it's like the good the the the, the people who are good at fraud don't get caught, right? Right. And so, you know, it's it 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 happens. But like, if the FBI is snooping around your your comings and goings, I sure hope you're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, and that's absolutely that's absolutely true because you, it, yeah. I mean, I I I try to think unless unless you're off the grid and you're using only cash for everything but you can't right. you can't use only cash for everything nowadays how many pretty hard I mean, pretty it, pretty tough it's very interesting especially now like like it used to be that so many businesses would be like cash only businesses and yeah. now you see it the opposite way where it's like we don't we're no cash, a cashless cash business accepted. yeah exactly right. and that's yep. and, and so what what they're saying here is becoming more and more true and yeah if you if you had if you had access to all of my bank accounts and to all of my text messages, uh, you would have a, an exhaustive memoir of my life. And what would the story be? Uh, the story would be uh, this guy, uh, it, he loves his family and he made, he made two great decisions uh, in his life financially. <laughs> so that... <laughs> Okay. The, the kind of the kind of compensated for every. I mean, he's yeah, he's good with money, but there was a there was a couple times he just nailed it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's it for this episode. And remember, do not hire any lawyer who goes by dude or bro or Rudy Giuliani. And also remember, if you take on alleged drug dealers as clients and they think you're ripping them off, you might end up dead, but you also might end up in jail with them where you may also just end up being dead. So Jesus Christ, be careful. That's all. That's that's the biggest takeaway from today's episode. If you want to drop us a line, send us an email at ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe.com. Greg Kite, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me. You can try to find me on inter, uh, on uh, Twitter at Greg Kite, uh, but even better, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's uh, LinkedIn backslash forward slash LinkedIn slash Greg Kite. How can people get a hold of you, Caleb? Uh, you know, I'm... I'm I'm on I'm on Twitter, which is X now, has been for a while, still don't like it. 
again, yeah, it, like if you're having a bad day and you feel like some self-loathing and you and you go onto Twitter and I happen right. to be going through some self-loathing and I'm on Twitter, it's at CNewquist and LinkedIn is a slash and then my name. It's a slash of some kind. I don't know. You sound, you sound so depressed just talking about the social slash? media. Oh my God. You, yeah. uh, just social media. Yeah. I mean, yeah. social media. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Ugh. Mm. Anyway. Oh, my fraud is written by Caleb Newquist and myself. Our producer is Zach Frank. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you listen to Earmark CPE and you listen to the show through Earmark CPE, which you can do, you can earn free CPE uh, if you're into that. So join us next time for more avarice, swindlers, and scams from stories that will make you say, Oh, my, oh my fraud. fraud. <laughs>